It's a big show today here on At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Hello there, I'm Scott Keenan. And I'm Lauren Keenan. I'm an interior stylist and podcast host. And this show is about helping you create a home you truly love. And you know, we do like to switch things up every now and then with our how-to podcasts and info on trends and styles. And this week, we've got an interview with a certified style icon. Yes, Deborah Hutton has been part of the Australian media landscape for decades. And she's someone that women across the country have identified with as a leader in her work on TV, in fashion and magazines, and more recently as someone with a passion for interiors and design. And that's why we're talking to her today as new episodes of her show, Find My Dream Home, which I'm loving, continue to drop on the Lifestyle Channel and On Demand on Foxtel. And look, I always think, Scott, that a dream home is, it's really hard to define, but I think a dream home is a home that feels completely you, personal, right? Yeah, that's right. I think it's something different to all of us, and I really don't think it needs to have necessarily the most expensive finishes or furniture, but there's just something about it that you couldn't live without. It might be something like the view or the location, or it might be the furnishings, or it could be your ultimate kitchen. The concept of a dream home is just so personal. Yes, uh, that's exactly right. And, and Deb's got her own take on that too. And with 24 homes and their owners profiled across the country on this brand new TV show, I can't wait to hear more about what makes a dream home for Deb and how those Aussies are making it a reality for them in their life. So let's get into it with Deborah Hutton on At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Deborah, welcome to the show. It's really lovely to be here, I have to tell you. I, um, I love what you guys do and, um, and I'm grateful for uh, you having me on today. Oh, thank you. Well, look, let's get straight into it. Tell us all about Find Your Dream Home, what inspired it and what is the show about? This is an original format for Foxtel, um, which is great because there's a lot of uh, on the Lifestyle Channel. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of shows which is about sort of renovating, buying, selling, and of course that gets lots of eyeballs, which is fantastic. But it's interesting. This is a show that really um, I think piques people's interest because it's about the different ways that people dwell, the different ways that people choose to live. And I think it's interesting that it's so poignant that the show's on right now because we've come out of a couple of years of with COVID and isolation and really going through an experience of a lifetime that people are questioning um, how they want to live and is this the house they want to live in for the future and do we want to get on the road? Do we want to live in a tiny house and get rid of all our stuff? Do we want to go and move to Tassie in a, in a beautiful country cottage um, yes are we going yes to, i do you know, that sounds great <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you sign me up <laughs> well you've got queenslanders and you've got you know you've got all these ways that people have changed their life and so they've they've allowed us into their homes uh with our cameras to really find out the pros and cons of what it's like to live in a different way that we perhaps do right now so it's an interesting journey and it's, and as I said, it's an original format. So it's lovely. We get to meet all these people um, from um, right around Australia. Well, almost, we almost went to WA, but then they shut the gates on us. <laughs> oh, <we're all laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah. yeah. That old chestnut. So we kind of get to focus on East Australia and, uh, and I spent 12 months, you know, going up and down the coast and meeting gorgeous people, but really understanding what it's like to, you know, what's it like to put a prefab house together? What's it like to, you know, build off grid? All of these questions are answered in this series. So I think it's a series for right now. 
I think, and I think it's really nice too because it does feel different to a lot of other property shows. You know, we watch a lot of that type of TV and we love the lifestyle channel on Foxtel. But I felt watching this, Deb, that this was a really different type of show because you got to take us into the homes of the people that put their passion into those properties and who love the way they live. Um, and I also felt like watching it that I'm learning something um, about the style of architecture or of the location as well as the, uh, you know, the, the, the type of property too. Um, you were just saying, you know, there that you really do cover the full gamut of the, the styles of homes um, in this show. Which one was most interesting for you to see up close? Look, now, tough question because a couple of the episodes are, are my favourites. Um, I, I'm, I was intrigued with off-grid. I think most people are really looking at, you know, how you can actually make that work for yourself. So we went to three different off-grid houses. And the good thing about the show is it has an entry point, a mid-level and a high end. So it is affordable. We, we look at affordable options. But I found it really fascinating that, you know, how do you give up your creature comfort and still have an enjoyable life off-grid. So I really was keenly curious to find out. And and I have to say, I loved the fact that I walked away going, wow, it's very, very doable, Um, you know, understanding the environment and where it is. But it's all about the incredible locations that you can actually live um, in an off-grid situation. And you don't have to cut that many corners. You just have to be very clever and have a fabulous architect on your side. So I thought, um, I think we started with that series. And I know this is on demand, so people can catch up with it. But I, that was really fascinating for me to to really, you know, be in houses. And there was an architect there that uh, he'd been living off-grid for 10 years. And this house just felt so beautiful and lived in and cosy and comfy. He wasn't doing without, you know, they're not doing it hard, you know. And they lived outside of Melbourne. Uh, about an hour or so outside of Melbourne and then he's just, you know, he's got a pool and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, how the hell do you have a pool? Of course, there's this beautiful new way of having uh, pools now where you've got a, a sort of a little attachment of, um, of a kind of a water garden and that's what filtrates that and sunlight You're filtrates. Right. So you don't have to have all the pool equipment and you don't have to have the expense. And all that I found really quite amazing. So that was definitely one of my favourite episodes. And then the complete opposite to that, which I really enjoyed, was tiny homes. Uh, you know, because we look at these little homes and, you know, you see them pop up around the place on Airbnb and you're fascinated what's it like to live in one of those little They're places. having a moment, aren't they? There's a whole tourism sector around tiny homes now. Yes, there is. And I keep going, oh, flag that one, flag that one. <laughs> um, and they are. And what what people can do with a bit of ingenuity and a little creative flair is quite extraordinary. And, uh, and there's a really cute couple um, live on the central coast north of Sydney that sort of cre- created their beautiful Hampton-style tiny house. And I walked in there and went, oh, my God, I can so live in this without all the shit that I've got in my life. <laughs> do, you, do you think you honestly could live in a tiny home? I think, you know, look, to live in it permanently – that would probably be a bit of a stretch, but if I had a weekender and I had a beautiful block of land in the middle of nowhere, uh, I know that you can have a tiny house and it can be off grid. Um, and and I've seen that in this in this episode. So I thought, yeah, I could do that because I think the nice thing about going away on weekenders is that you just relax. And of course, when you don't have that much stuff around you, there's not a lot to do. But relax, yeah. walk, you know, do all that stuff. Enjoy absolutely. The and these 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 tiny homes and off grid homes, like you were saying, Lauren. You know, there's this tourism sector being built around them, and it provides us with this awesome opportunity to to kind of disconnect 
uh, yeah. with our, our devices and, and reconnect with nature. Is that, you know, the, the sorts of places where those homes were located, you know, is the environment really important around those types of properties too to make them succeed? Yeah, look, absolutely. Although one particular gentleman who we filmed last, he was, it was really interesting. You know, he'd been through a really, obviously been through a divorce and um, he just didn't have a lot. Right. And he just he got this this one acre block um, uh, opposite. Oh, I'm trying to think where the hell we were. My mind's kind of spinning. But anyway, we, it was it was one acre block and it, it was it was not far from the airport and it had bowling green, you know, around the corner and all the rest. But so it wasn't exactly the most peaceful setting. But, you know, if you wanted some action, it was sort of around there. But he paid nothing for this, like every month, maybe a couple of hundred bucks or something. And he'd done such a good job with this. And he, you know, and he was basically living off grid. Uh, but he had all the amenities around him and he was still connected. So it was probably not my preferred location, but it worked for him. And I took my hat off to him. I thought, you know, we started a small business which he could run. And I thought for a guy who'd obviously come through a really tough time, a tough divorce and didn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of um, capital behind him, he really made it work and he was very happy. And I, that really gave me heart because I felt for him, but I could see how he turned you know, uh, um, he turned it into a really positive for himself. It sounds like you were really inspired by some of the different types, different ways of living that you discovered on the show. Was there anything that made you think differently about what you would like in your home or a way to live differently in the future? I've just recently purchased a property south of Sydney, um, sitting here talking to you from it and looking out at the ocean, which is beautiful. Um, you know, every, this is a new project for me. I've sold my, my old dream home. I, I built a house. It's so funny where I thought I would live in it forever. And that was my forever house. And as one of my removalists said this morning, your forever is only last four years. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, moving on. So another project beckons. Uh, this is a complete knockdown rebuild. And, you know, I look forward to that sort of unfolding in, it, in its own time. But, you know, having said that, I, I looked, it was, that was the, the whole thing about sustainability, the whole thing about less is more, um, you know, already I'm, I'm starting to craft what my house looks like and I, I definitely want to lean more into solar. My last place was full solar, and but I think there's better ways of garnering the light. Um, there's different ways of, if you do want to have underfloor heating, there's different ways of doing that with water, hot water instead of, you know, just dragging too much on electricity supply. So there's definitely... Maybe that's why the off-grid was I found so fascinating is talking because I did it all with the architects um, because, you know, they're the ones who are obviously, you know, crafted and, you know, with their technologies and everything. So, yeah, there's definitely a more sustainable, you know, less less tug on electricity, um, you know, thinking about sort of gas and just natural resource and, and how we go ahead. I think it's the way of the future. I think you're mad if you don't, if you're in a position of building, you're mad if you don't really um, understand the landscape that's out there, where we're going in the future and how you can kind of buffer it for yourself. You know, a knockdown rebuild. That I'm starting to sense the the next series of Grand Designs Australia. It will feature an episode with Deborah Hutton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, this is I have taken on something. Oh my god, my Bronte build. I always say it was like a flesh wound. This thing is going to be like uh, this is like open heart surgery with about 15 surgeons. It's going to go on for like a couple of days. This is a really difficult corner. It's the topography of the land is challenging. Um, I've already had slippage. I've already had landslides wow. and slippage. 
mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, it's a typical area. It's um, It's got everything thrown at it. So it's definitely going to make some good television if and when that's what I decide to do. I did it last time. I created a website and did it for Bronte. And I had some um, – and I had a really good following. So people are going, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? But anyway, <laughs> Yeah, well, people um, are interested in – in- in seeing that sort of stuff and it's and uh, you know i'm sure you know you've got some grand plans there it does sound really exciting um and and the location you know the location there sounds beautiful obviously being able to see the ocean and and being amongst nature there I, i sense as well um I want to ask you a little bit more about the environment where these homes are in you 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 did eight episodes you saw 24 different properties um Watching the episode that recently dropped around Tasmania and those historic oh, homes, um, yeah. I was really intrigued by the, the, I didn't get her name, but the first of the three women that you met there who's living in her convict-era Georgian-style home in Oatlands, a little village in central Tasmania. Yeah, it's like a beautiful yeah. town. Um, we visited that part of Tasmania. Mm, it's it's stunning. Um, and, and that lady clearly loves her home and has invested you know, plenty of time and money into preserving and restoring it and now loving living in it. And she told you on the show that she can't imagine living anywhere else. I know, um, I know. How much of it was about that house and how much of it is about the village of Oatlands, do you think, and, and the way that I guess that area allowed a property like that to still, sort of still be there and be beautiful and to, and, and to go on? Yeah, I was blown away. I that episode's just so beautiful because you know that was a few trips to Tassie and and Oatlands is one of the most extraordinary historic villages. I'm I'm thankful that you've been there because you you know what it's like. Gorgeous. It's not exactly the humdrum and there's a lot of life going on. I managed to get a really good coffee and a great little cake store, but but she's got this beautiful property and. It's her love of the history and her love of, you know, that the warmth that that particular property gave her. And, and all of those, those three women and those three properties that I looked at, they all fell in love with it for, for the reason of, yes, there's heritage, but it's the history of it. And I think, you know, they also know that they're adding to that history. They're a part of that history because they're maintaining it and they're, um, you know, they're restoring it where they can. They're putting love into it. And there was such a charm. There was just such a charm. And these women, if you, you know, it's a bit like it was, it was like these were made for them and, and their personalities. And when I walked through, I thought, you know, sometimes you meet people and you sort of walk into their house and I used to do all these shows on Channel 9 years ago and I think, what the, why the hell did you buy this place? This is so <laughs> not you. And, um, but this, this instance in this particular um, gorgeous episode, these three women, all completely different, just they just married it. Uh, they married the environment and the house and they fitted in. It's almost like they were just part of the furniture and I could see their love of it and their appreciation of particularly of the history. And I learned a lot about, you know, um, the old convict bricks and all sorts of things like that. It was really fascinating. Also, I noticed that the, the conflict in some of those areas too with, um, you know, the, our Aboriginal and colonial history there. And It was interesting how she brought all those artworks together and they had such a love of that mm. Indigenous artwork style and yeah. interesting juxtaposition inside that home. Incredible, just mm-hmm. incredible. Um, you look, the level of detail is, I was just blown away. I, I really was. Um, and I think that's something that is born out of such, such passion um, and such understanding and yet such a soft touch to really, you know, allow what's there and to work with what's there and not, 
you know, just to sort of mould yourself around it. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. Bring out the features. You know, restoration is beautiful, but then how do you kind of, you know, make that juxtaposition between living there and really appreciating what it is? It was an extraordinary episode on, on so many levels. Yeah, I agree, especially because, you know, we, we love new, right? You know, knockdown rebuilds and, and, and renovations, yeah. and we often don't um, get to enjoy a lot of that history as much. And, of course, the concept of a dream home is just so entirely personal. You know, my dream home is not going to be your dream home or the next exactly. person. Do you think your own personal idea of what your dream home is has evolved over the years? Has it changed or do you always come back to something familiar, something that's sort of innate to what a dream home is to you? Look, I asked myself that question the other day because I'm living literally on the ocean now. So, of course, in terms of durability and um, and the different materials that you have to consider when you're living on the water is very different to just building a beautiful Hampton-style house and, you know, and you're, in, you're in a suburb and you're not affected by, um, you know, the location and the, you know. So, so I, I, you know, my neighbour's got a very robust house. It's, you know, it's copper, it's concrete, it's glass and, you know, it's not going anywhere. And uh, But I look at it and I go, that's not my style. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that he did that and, you know, it's just built for the environment and the weather. But I have to find – I. I because I, I was asking myself, you know, would you be able to do something different? And I'm, I'm open to it, but I have to tell you, my heart still keeps returning to, you know, I love a classic weatherboard. I think this area, every time I drive through the, the Norfolk Pines along here, all I'm looking is beautiful old weatherboards. And yeah. I just, there's such a, I just love that. It reminds me of growing up in Queensland. There's something about that that just makes me feel that it's home, it's comfort, it's warming. So I think I'm always going to be sort of sticking to my style, but I, I need to be open. I think you've got to be flexible, which is why I'm going to be, you know, sitting in this little uh, knockdown for at least a year or so just to get a feel <laughs> of the place, the lights, you know, yes. just how it all plays out. Really important yeah. to do before you start planning anything. But I think you can be true to yourself and still embrace, you know, some of those new technologies and things that you've discovered even in the making of this show and incorporate them into how you, you live, but still, you know, keep in with the style that you love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and look, I learned a lot as I left my my place um, in Bronte. I, you know, I was sort of saying I've learned so much in that house, and the things that I do love and I did get right, and the things that I would never do again, you know, never ever do again. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my god, goodbye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> home automation is one of them. I would never ever ever do home automation if I can stop anyone from doing home automation. Please listen here. It's a well, what did you What did you not like about home automation? Because I've heard this story Everything. a few times. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Just a big pain in the butt. It was just dreadful. It's just dreadful. Lights on. Yeah. My God, just give me a dimmer. Give me a, give me a, just let me walk around and turn the lamps off. Just, just do that, you know. Um, 100%. Yeah, just, and too much electricity in the house, you know. You've got to be really careful about, you know, we've got all these sort of Wi-Fi, we've got all this stuff, all this electricity in the air and very conscious that I just want, want less. So, you yeah. can over-engineer your home, can't you? you? Can. I mean, oh, yeah. honestly. Scott would love to over-engineer your well, home. No, Scott, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I love um, sound and audio, so we've got, you know, nice speakers that are set up on our home Wi-Fi. But other than that, I'm kind of cool with the analog. Um, I've got friends who have installed, you know, Google Light kind of stuff so yeah. that they can turn off their lights on and off with their phone. It's like, well, there's a yeah. switch there. I, I don't it's need not that. that hard. That's okay yeah. for me. No, it's not that hard. Yeah. And I think it just makes things a bit more complicated. Everything's on Wi-Fi. And so if the Wi-Fi doesn't work and, you know, NBN hasn't exactly been the biggest hit. So it's like we're often <laughs> being caught out with Wi-Fi. I'm like, oh, my God. 
And it's interesting. You might notice a difference um, (laughs) moving house to your new location compared to the uh, super fast speeds in Sydney. Yeah, no, it's not so much that. Bronte was a nightmare. Every other day they were always working on the NBN. So, um, no, so far so good down here, so I'm embracing that. (laughs) But it's interesting that you have chosen to live in this property for, you know, a period, a year or whatever it is before you kind Mm. of work out what you want to do. Obviously there's some, you know, council approvals and planning and things like that. But, you know, talking to, to Wendy Moore from Selling Houses Australia, we've got her on the show in a couple of weeks' time. And one of the things she's really big on is, you know, if you can buy your property and live in it, so you work out, you know, where the light goes, um, you know, wh- how does wind affect the property, um, you know, which which places in the the property do you like to be in, mm-hmm. and would you like to extend or or make the most yeah, of? Yeah, of course. And look, that's what I did with Bronte. I lived in it for two years before I did the renovation. And interestingly enough, this particular property I bought with an approved DA, and it was by my um, what is by my favourite architect, a uh, beautiful architect called Walter Barda, who does really gorgeous sort of Hampton style kind of a lot of northern beaches looks and just beautiful. So this particular house that I, that came with this property is um, for, you know, a, a family um, with four kids. And uh, anyway, so I looked at it and went, oh, my God, it's the, my dream home. It's fantastic. Yes, I'd love to build it. Yeah, let's do this. And I thought I'd just jump in here and start with construction drawings, you know. And, uh, and as soon as I got here, I thought, no, I, 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 that might suit them, but already I want to change it. I want to sort of flip things. And, and that was as soon as I started thinking that, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to just take a breath. It's been a, it's been a big um, process selling. It's been six months, and now I'm sort of finally down here. So we feel I just you. want to breathe out. I just you did the same. Yeah, it's, a big, it's a big deal. Moving is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, a new environment. Um, anyway, I've tricked this place up. I've, you know, this is, um, it's an asbestos, you know, a bit of co- concrete cancer. I've just sprayed <laughs> it. I've got to spray the whole thing white. Yeah, the floors, everything, and I've spent tens of dollars at Kmart and Bones, and, you know, just to, <laughs> to make it feel like it's really livable. And it's cute, and it does. Everyone says, oh, why would you want to knock this down? I'm like, well, because, you know, I need to at some stage um, build a proper house. The, the land deserves it, so, yeah. <laughs> well, we've talked a little bit about your love of coastal and Hampton style, and I wanted to touch on your range of homewares with my house uh, called uh, Home with Deborah Hutton. Tell us a bit about the inspiration for the range. It, it sounds like... Um, it's something that you've, you know, had a lot of uh, input into, but we'd love to know how that came about. Well, interestingly enough, um, back in about 2005, I started a range which I did exclusively for Kmart called Living with Deborah Hutton, and it, uh, it ended up having 800 SKUs or something. It was massive, and it covered absolutely every part of the house. And then, unfortunately, uh, Coles Meyer sold Kmart, and they started a completely different business model, which was going direct to China and you know discounted products and stuff. So it kind of came to the end of it, but it was, a, it was such an enjoyable process, and I loved working on the designs. Anyway, um, Stevie Lou, who owns all my house and, and house stores, um, then came back a couple of years ago and he said, he calls me Hutz, he said, Hutz, we haven't finished yet, we've got unfinished business. <laughs> so um, he said, do you want to get back into homewares? And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I just jumped on the opportunity and I, you know, I, I love design and look, I do have a signature which is, which is quite strong in terms of my colour palette and, um, and just in terms of uh, sort of design and patterning and stuff like that. So it was just like putting on so a pair of beautiful old boots I took off and put them on and said, yeah, it's really nice to be back in the space again. So, you know, Manchester, I just think you can transform a bedroom Absolutely. with Manchester. I really do. And, you know, it's lovely. We've sort of gone into a bit of lighting and little tables and we're growing, you know, as we 
as we go through the seasons, we're growing with it. Um, there's been a few challenges in terms of um, deliveries and delayed delayed deliveries. So, oh God, um, that's a story working, of my everywhere. life at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're working, uh, you know, well in advance, almost like a year in advance and stuff. And so we're just projecting some things. But, but I definitely own the color palettes of those beautiful navies and torps, and and just yeah. getting into that lovely olive greens, all that sort of stuff is very much my signature. You'll never see me with massive color. You'll never see me. <laughs> with lots of patterns that are going to hit you in the eye. That's just not my thing. So so it's beautiful. And, it look, and you know, it's an affordable range, which is something that we're really keen on making sure that it's something that speaks to people and it's affordable because, you know, um, I would rather someone go and buy, you know, some beautiful sheets and pillows to kind of, you know, spruce things up and keep that going with the seasons than just sort of purchase something that's uh, one or two things that they sort of reach for and, you know, becomes unaffordable. I think it's lovely to have homewares that can just be refreshed through the seasons um so yeah i'm sitting here looking at my at my shoots i've just because i've got the removalist <laughs> and i'm just basically not the bed i'm looking at this hunting well you need to drop by my house pillows. and pick up some of your own stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really lovely. It's really lovely. And I just love working on the design. I love sort of putting things together. So it's an absolute joy for me. Um, and it's really beautiful to be able to, um, you know, all the people that work in my house stores are really genuinely love being there. And so I try and pop in and surprise them every now and then. They go, oh, my God. <laughs> so it's really it's lovely. It's nice to see the product in store yeah. other than oh. just on my bed. <laughs> That's nice. Um, I've got a couple of real quick questions um, and then yeah. I know Lauren wanted to ask you um, about uh, something else. But um, people might remember that you previously hosted a show on Foxtel called Find Me a Beach House. It was very successful. Yeah. And, and you know, you've talked about how you've lived by the beach in Sydney for a long time. What is it, Deb, about coastal living and interiors that you really love so much? It, you know, you, you talk about it with passion. Why, why do you love it and why do you think it works so well here in, in Australia as a style? Oh, where where are people that have drawn to the water? Look at the way that we have inhabited this beautiful island of Australia. You know, we're literally living coastal, and and um and I think it's it's a part of our culture. I mean, I'm I'm at the moment I'm I'm sort of championing a different cause, which is um you know skin cancer uh, prevention and whatnot, because you know we're, we it's the great outdoors, and and we do we're kind of drawn to the beach and the water. There's something very soothing, um, you know, there's a lot of literally as we're made up as human beings, there's a lot of water in us and it's sort of a natural thing that we gravitate towards the water. And for me, it's just just the sound of the waves and, you know, getting in the water. I, I just feel like I just, I feel like I take off some armour and I just relax in that environment. And um, I'm, you know, I, I had a farm with Harry Miller years ago down in the Southern Highlands and, and it was beautiful. You know, we had cows and we got horse riding, all that sort of stuff. And I loved it. But I could get to Seven Mile Beach. I still felt yeah. that I was yeah. like 10, 15 minutes away and I could get to the water if I needed to. There's something that's within me that I need to have water around me. So, you know, this is the first time that I've, you know, that I've actually got a property right on the ocean and the view is beautiful, but it's just hearing those waves. It's just does something for me, I suppose. It yeah. just settles Magic. me. And therefore the interiors, you know, I just think they're so, I fell in love with the Hamptons when I used to live there as a model years ago when I lived in New York and, and I saw all these places and I think it's buried back there, you know, that there's just this beautiful, relaxed, just, it's just about relaxing for me. 
and being able to put your feet up on a table and and having you know slip covers on couches I and mean, just things that are just you know, not too not too formal yeah. perfect. you know you're painting yeah. a beautiful yeah. picture there deb <laughs> now just before we wrap up and you touched on it just then but i wanted to ask you about your beautiful hat range canopy bay so a lot of people for asking me about that that is another that's been such a joy to work on (laughs) so a lot of people may know that you've had your own experience with skin cancer and now you're a huge advocate for sun care so tell us why you created the range yeah, I've had a couple of serious instances and I'm a skin cancer survivor and but I'm never I'm never going to be out of the woods. I'm going to be dealing with skin cancers for the rest of my life and I know that to be a fact. Mm. Um I when I posted the um post operation for my last surgery, it, it went viral and I was contacted by a lot of people, one of which was a company uh, based in West Gosford that is a hatware company, Australian made, and they said, would you be interested in talking to us about doing a hat range? And I'm like, a hat range? And they said, yes, we make UPF 50 plus hats. I'm like, what? I have never heard of anything like that. So I jumped on board and I just thought, I just had no idea how important it is to protect Protect your head, protect your nut, you know. Your ears as well. Sometimes we, you know, we put sunscreen, you know, a lot of people don't even deal with sunscreen, but like, you know, we cover ourselves with sunscreen, we go to the beach. But this, you know, uh, I've got a special on Channel 7 on Sunday night on Spotlight and I I don't know where this is going to where, but anyway, it's 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 called it's my journey, it's my skin cancer journey and uncovering the horrors of skin cancer in Australia, and and I know that ninety five percent of skin cancers you will find in Australia are in the head and neck area, and that's the most vital area that we need to communicate. You think about it, um, and I interviewed a professor. Uh, oncology professor who does reconstructive surgery where they where he takes out eyes ears lips noses uh, you know and I think well this is what we need to see and hear and taste and smell and speak and breathe and so this is why it's so critically important to wear the proper hat protection so you actually are getting maximum protection between you and the sun all the time you know Mm. 360 360 we should be putting sunscreen on and 360 we should be protecting ourselves so canopy bay was born and um it's gone really well and i've just finished signing off just finished designing last week another 10 styles which will photograph in the next week or so and they'll go up and doing some felt beautiful felt hats so it evolves it's been really good oh and you heard it here first princess mary uh, was seen in Bangladesh recently wearing a canopy bay hat. Oh, the crown princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, called for Peter. I was like, oh. Fantastic. <laughs> that is very good. Well, that'll be in well, magazines all around the world. <laughs> well, I'm going to put it out on Insta. But, yeah, she's a very she's a very good advocate for uh, for skin, you know, skin cancer and sun awareness. So, yeah, that's what happened um, today, which I was pretty stoked that's about. That's fantastic. Congratulations. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, canopy bay, I've got my entire hat rack in the corner of the house as you walk in. So, and when I walked out for a little, you know, coffee for me, they've got a choice of hats to wear as we leave Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. And it's, it is, it's so cool, I think, Deb, because, you know, it, it ties in with your kind of way of living, your coastal lifestyle, and there's a natural yeah. connection mm-hmm. there. But you've obviously also got a really personal story about why it means something to you as well. And yeah. I think that comes across in the way that, that you, you promote the range and that you talk about skincare, which is so important, you know, for women and men. Absolutely, absolutely, and I and I, um, I'm going to keep banging on about it because it's so critically important um, for sort of you know younger generations to understand that they don't have to go through what I went through, and and also for us, you know, just saying we're we're not out of the woods, you know, we kind of have to be really really aware and get your bloody skin checked every yeah. twelve months. Every I had mine last week. <laughs> good, good on you. Well done, Lauren. <laughs> 
Scott. Well, Deb, we wanted to uh, thank you so much for your time today on what is, you know, moving day is stressful no matter how many times you've done it. So, yeah, you've um, really pulled it out here. This is a big effort. Yeah. So, a podcast know, on I moving know. day is insane. Moving day, yeah. There, I can almost, I'm getting a little text going, yeah, we're on the way. We'll be there shortly. I'm like, okay, anyway, at least I'm glad that this is not visual. It's just audio. <laughs> I'm glad of that every time I record. <laughs> anyway, it's been really lovely chatting to you both and, and thank you. Thanks for um, thanks for having me on. Well, we've loved the show and uh, there are more episodes to drop on Foxtel in the coming weeks. But, of course, uh, if uh, you've missed earlier episodes, it's available on demand uh, on Foxtel right now. So check it out. It is Find Your Dream Home on Lifestyle on Foxtel. Deb, thanks so much for joining us. Great to chat to you. Thanks, Thank Deb. you. Bye. All right, there are still a couple of episodes of Deb's new series to run on Foxtel's Lifestyle channel. And of course, you can watch it anytime on Foxtel On Demand. And coming up next on the show, very exciting, we're talking to someone that really knows a lot about designing, styling and selling homes for living in and for sale. Yes, Wendy Moore is one of two new faces on one of Australia's most popular property shows, Selling Houses Australia. I think when you love the show yourself and you're kind of part of the audience. You think, oh, my God, I know what makes this special and how do I keep it special but not try and just recreate what was already unique to somebody else? And I just thought I just I need the design to speak for me at the end of the day. Wendy's got such a strong history in the industry and on our TV screens, having spent 10 years as editor of Home Beautiful magazine. One of your favourites. Yes, seven seasons as a judge on Seven's House Rules and now she's the head of lifestyle at Foxtel. I honestly think she has more hours in the day. Yeah, I don't know how she fits it all in. Um, In this episode coming up, we ask her about how she's freshened up the show with a little more of a design focus this season and we talk about why the show has been so popular for so long. And in the meantime, if you'd like some more info on today's chat with the lovely Deb Hutton, so gracious of her to give us her time on moving day. Absolutely. Go to laurenkeenan.com.au and head to the stories page where you can also find plenty of info on interior design and how-to guides on everything from choosing carpet and flooring to how to find the best white paint for your home. Yes. While you're there, we'll also pop in some of the details about the things that Deb's been talking about, her hat range and her interiors range with uh, my house. Now, if you're thinking about renovating or updating some rooms but you don't know where to start you can get in touch with us now on the socials at lauren keenan home or hit us up on the contact page at laurenkeenan.com.au well that's it for the show today scotty it's been a good one hasn't it it was deb's an absolute champ and so nice to speak with us she is look thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of at home with lauren keenan your authority on home lifestyle and interior design 